0: Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben with Episode 141 for March eighth, two 2012. Today's audio podcast is from a Skype video discussion that I did with Norman Bodek last week in commemoration of what would have been the 100th birthday of... um, Toyota great and, and lean Toyota production system legend Taiichi Ono. I'm going to publish that video when I can so you can see Norman talking about um, his experiences and recollections of Mr. Ono. But I wanted to go ahead and get the audio out there um, to be part of um, the conversation and commemoration. So for links, you can go to leanblog.org 141 when I have the video available. I'll post a link to it there, or you can find it through my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash mgraven, or you can go into the iTunes store and you can subscribe to the video podcast series, which is separate from the audio podcast that you're listening to here. So as always, I want to thank you for listening. And again, a happy anniversary, what would have been 100th birthday to Taiichi. I know somebody I've learned so much from, and I'm sure a lot of you have as well. Hi, I'm Mark Raven. We're going to be talking again today with Norman Bodak. And as we uh, remember uh, Mr. Taichi Ono on uh, the 100th anniversary of his birth, he passed away um, some years ago, but it would have been his 100th birthday. Um, I can't think of anyone better to talk about uh, his memories of um, Mr. Ono than Norman Bodak, who um, I'm sure you all know. Um, Norman first met Taichi Ono in 1981 and published This book, uh, Taiichi Ono, Toyota Production System, Beyond Large-Scale Production, which I have um, in hardcover, I have it on the the Kindle version now, I was going to show, there it is, it was showing Jules Verne, so it's on Kindle. Uh, Mr. Ono's work is still uh, reaching people today in many industries, and and so that's why we're going to talk to Norman. But Norman went on to publish uh, 250 books about lean and quality and productivity. He's, of course, very well known for Quick and Easy Kaizen, and Norman uh, is also uh, has the honor of being a member of the Industry Week Manufacturing Hall of Fame. So, Norman, as always, it's great to talk to you. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Mark, thank you very much. It's always my pleasure, and I hope that uh, you'll enjoy our conversation today. I always do. I also published Ono's oh Today and Tomorrow book. Ah, that's right. And... Um, had the privilege of meeting him many times, and I have I'll share some of the wonderful stories about Ono. Um, I first met I first met Dr. Shingo. Shingo introduced me really to the total production system just in time when I when I found uh, Shingo's Green Book, the study of the total production system from an engineering viewpoint, I became fascinated. When I found the book and I ordered 500 copies to sell to my newsletter subscribers, I owned a company called Productivity, Productivity Press, and had a newsletter called Productivity. And I was writing about the Toyota system starting in late 1980. First thing I wrote about in 1980 was Quality Circles. I thought that was the Japanese management secret. Mm -hmm. It still is a secret because we don't apply it very well in America. But I met oh, I met Shingo first and became fascinated with him, and then I went to Japan in November of 1981, and both Shingo and Ono spoke at a conference um, that was organized by Japan Productivity uh, Association, Japan Management Association. Right. And, of course, Shingo spoke and Ono spoke, and I was fascinated with the whole subject at that moment, I met Shingo personally, and I invited Shingo to come to America, and I became his publisher. About a year later, or less, oh, I met Ono on a study mission to Toyota. And I said to Ono, I don't even have the exact date, but I remember when I, this was before I, before I published this book, I said to Ono, I'm really fascinated with the turtle production system, and I'd love to get more information that I could read so that I could write about it in my newsletter. And I said, what do you have available for me? And Mr. Ono said, we don't have anything. I said, why not? He said, well, turtle, we don't write things down. I said, why don't you write things down? Is it a secret, you know, for others that you can't share? And he says, no, Norman, we don't write it down because we are always changing the production system. Now, I like that concept, number one, because we talk about continuous improvement. Everybody's on a continuous improvement bandwagon, but what does that mean? You improve every single day. Uh, This is funny because prior to this, my exposure to manufacturing is when people would write down procedures or standards about their system, they would put it in a file cabinet and nobody would look at it. <laughs> right. And now Owner was saying that the standardization concept is a living system that we are continually changing. That was my first, my first conversation with him. And then he was very kind to me um, when he did publish the book, and it he gave it to Japan. I think it was Japan Manager Association that published it. We well, you have it in front of you. I think that they published the book. I'm not sure. No, there were two different publishers, so I'm not sure which one that was. Um, that might have been another one. Mm-hmm. So that, which which company published that book, Mark? Can you see that? It would be inside title page. Right. Now this is a Productivity Press. Productivity of yeah, 1988. It, it would tell where I, where I did the translation. That means I got the book in Japanese... And then gave it to a translator to put into English. It says uh, published by Diamond Inc. Tokyo, okay. 1978. Very good. Yeah. So Diamond Diamond uh, published his first book, and then I got the book. I guess a couple of years later, um, translated it from Japanese into English. And of course, when I became his publisher, that gave me a wonderful opportunity to meet him on all of my trips, and so. At that time, I was conducting at least two study missions to Japan every year. In fact, productivity, we had 50 study missions to Japan. Then I probably did at least half of those. And on every trip to Japan, after I met, oh, no, he was gracious enough to let me visit Toyota with my group. And he would speak to my group very often. I remember one visit, I go to a factory, and it was old. And it was pretty dirty. And boy, I was surprised to see a Toyota factory in that shape with that old equipment. Right. Because we were studying Toyota as the best production system. You know, And best means not just the best cars. To me, it also meant the, the best environment, the best place for people to work, the best kind of work. And I was shocked. And I went to Ono, and I said... You're very nice to me, but you always let me only visit an old plant. And he laughed. (laughs) And he said, Norman, you don't understand just in time. Those are very famous words to me, Mm -hmm. because almost every time I met Ono, he would say to me, Bodek, you don't understand (laughs) just in time. And it was probably very true back then. I didn't understand just in time. Another time um, later on, when he left Toyota, he he didn't go up the ladder. And that was very surprising because he, more than anyone, made Toyota successful. His production system really separated Toyota from all the other manufacturers. Still does today. Mm -hmm. And... Normally, when you are great in a company, when you are a great manager, you um, go up the ladder. So he was vice president of production, which means he should have gone upwards. He was on the board of directors, I'm pretty sure, because all the plant managers at that time were on the board. Mm -hmm. They didn't have outside board members the way we do in America. And so he would have gone up the ladder, but he didn't. They shunted him. And they sent him and made him the chairman of Toyota Gose. And Toyota Gose was and still is one of the major suppliers to Toyota. They made the steering wheels and most of the rubber products and dashboards and a lot of the plastic products that went into the Toyota car was made in Toyota Gose, another very large company. And so when he went to Toyota Gose, he let me come and visit him there. And then at every one of my visits he was kind enough to come and greet the travelers. Normally 20 people traveled with me at a time. And he would teach. When he would teach, he would use the same slides. Only one set of slides Mm -hmm. with them. And that slide was pretty much, remember the river, the famous example of the river that Ono created is that the river is inventory and inventory is the worst waste Because it covers up all the other ways. And so in the talk, which was, you know, an hour or less, he would describe the total production system to us. And then we would visit the plant. Um, On one visit there, we were standing... Call me back in a few minutes. I'm doing an interview. Thank you. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Standing in front of the factory, he tells me a story about one day, um, he's standing there with the plant manager, and he looks at the plant and he says, um, this is a warehouse. He said, you know, at Toyota, we don't have any warehouse." Mm-hmm. And he looked at the manager and he said, uh, why don't you get rid of the warehouse? This is the way he worked. Yeah, he never tell you how to do it. Never tell you how to do it. Not not so many managers I meet, they're how-to-do managers. You know, they tell you how to do it. They take away your creativity. But not Ono. Ono would tell you what he wanted done. He said, I would like you to get rid of that warehouse, and uh, I'll give you a year to do it. And then he said, I want you to retrain everybody in that warehouse and make them into a mechanic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he walked away. And then a year later, of course... The warehouse was gone and everybody was retrained. It shows you what it's possible. It shows you what people are capable of doing when you have leadership that's going to challenge it and demand it. Yeah. Another thing that Ono did very often and communicated to me is whenever he went over to a uh, place in a factory and talked to the manager of that area, he pretty much said, Can you run your department with less people. That was his pretty much what he would say. Can you do it with less people? If you had eight people, he would challenge and say, can you do it with four? And then he would leave. And then sure enough, three, four months later he would come back and the manager would be all excited, he would be elated, he'd have a big smile on his face, and he'd say, Oh no son, I'm now running my department mm-hmm. with four people. And what do you think Ono said? He probably said, can you reduce it again? Can you reduce Reduce it again? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Oh no, the main focal point that I believe, mm -hmm. my contact with him, is what was was on reducing labor content. Right. But let let me let me ask about that because
0: Toyota was very much in a growth mode at that point, right? So people were given other roles and other jobs, I would imagine.
1: Yes. but you see, this was brilliant because, first of all, Japan had a lifetime employment. And then at that time when I went, there was a, virtually no part-time employees at Toyota, or very, very few. Do you know, I'm sure 90%, 95% of the people were full-time employees. So if Odo went into a department and he said, you know, reduce your staff in half, he's not saving the company any money at that moment. So you're saying, when well, Toyota was expanding. Well, Toyota was expanding because they were forced to expand, because they couldn't lay the people off. Yeah. And what are we going to do with these people? Well, they trained them. They mm-hmm. continue to train people, something that we're missing in the West because we don't put in the kind of training and investment in people we should right. do. It's a crime in our society. Yeah. It really is a crime. Because, you know, we send so much work to the Orient today and we're sending work to the Orient today because people are doing repetitive, boring work, unskilled work, right? right. They're unskilled because we don't train them and develop them.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting to think in that environment, like you said, with um, lifetime employment, that could very easily have led to a lot of complacency. Why bother to try to improve productivity? Um, but it not like Mr. Ono was driven, it, it, from your experience with him, was it just – in internal drive that he had to uh,
1: to make things well, better. This this is what he was. I mean, Ono was one of the best managers mm-hmm. in the world in the last hundred years, because he's the one who primarily transformed Toyota. I mean, they, I'm sure they had many other creative managers and financial managers, etc. You know, they weren't known for great designing <laughs> designing great cars, but they sure were known for manufacturing great cars. Um, I remember another incident. Um, I was in Toto Gose, and I was watching two things I noticed which fascinated me. One, I saw 60 hoses being worked on at the same time. Now, I didn't fully understand just-in-time back then. Mm -hmm. This was early 80s. And um, I'm seeing this hoses, 60 hoses being done. I go to Ono, and I said, Ono, you're teaching me one piece flow. I'm looking at sixty hoses. Could you explain it to me? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and and, and Ono said once again, Norman, Bodexon, you don't understand. Just in time, I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Look, the first thing that we're trying to do is to make money. That's the first thing. Yeah. So yes, we want." One piece flow, but none of it's going to cost us more money. That was a big, big learning experience for me. Mm-hmm. So we don't make one hose at a time if we could do it 60 at a time and save money. We'll still try. The next thing that Ono taught me is when he would see a batch of 60, he would always say to the manager, could you reduce it down yeah. to 50 and <laughs> see what happened. Right. So this was his second It One was labor reduction. And the, the second thing was inventory reduction. Also on that trip, which was interesting, is I was watching a woman uh, putting a clamp on these hoses, some hose for the car. She was putting clamps on. And in front of her, Mark, she had a very large board, very large board, quite large, maybe you know, two feet, three feet. Mm-hmm. It was right in front of her. And on that board was all of her instructions on what she was doing, number one. And it had on it all of the measurements for her to calibrate that the products that she was working on. It had places for her to write notes to write down her improvement ideas. It had a copy of perfect clamps and hoses. And it had copies of defects right in front of her mm-hmm. I thought that was brilliant and I rarely see that in any other plant that I go to that they had in right. front of them. yeah um, the other thing of course most pe- most of the other things are in his books you know the great thing of course is you go to the Gemba you go to see with your own eyes which was another Ono technique in fact one of the famous ones that's in one of my books was the Ono circle right <laughs> you take, he'd take a piece of chalk and he'd put the chalk or make a circle and he would tell the plant manager, especially a supplier, if you want to work with Toyota or if you want me to teach you anything, you stand here all day. And then a the man would say, can I go to the bathroom? And all mm-hmm. said, yeah, quickly you can go to the bathroom. <laughs> and you can have lunch, but you got to get it here back. But you stay here the whole day mm-hmm. and then I'll come back and quiz you to see what you saw. It's a great learning experience. Right. Now, something came to me recently, which I recommend to every one of our listeners, is that you go to the GEMBA and you look at people working. Just stand there and look, mm-hmm. at least for 30 minutes. Just stand there and look. And then say to yourself, is this the kind of job that a human being should be doing? Mm-hmm. Because, Mark, I am astounded as I continually visit plans. And I've done close to 300. And last year, I probably saw 25. I went to Lexus last year. Uh, Saw many new things at Lexus. But I still see people doing very boring, very repetitive work. Tightening. I saw one man at Lexus tightening eight bolts on every car. Had attack time of about one minute, 500 cars during the day. He tightened eight bolts on 500 cars, and that was his job. They didn't have
0: job rotation?
1: No, no. Hmm. Some of the plants do. They they did job rotation, I believe, first in America before they did it in Japan. They used to have, when I first went, at the end of every week, you could post your job, and you could take another job and switch jobs. But it was pretty much Hmm. your job for at least a week. Yeah. So what I'm really asking the people there is to look at the way people work. That's the Ford system. That's the Taylor system. That's not the system for the 21st century. Now, I have seen two other companies. One is Canon. One is Yokogawa, Yokogawa Electric, when I went to Singapore in November. And there, they have no assembly lines. Toyota still has assembly lines. They have their finished assembly lines. Not everything is in cells. But at Gao and Canon, everything is in cells. There are no more conveyor belts, mm-hmm. no more uh, uh, assembly lines. What does that mean to the worker? It means that every single worker is multi-skilled. Every single worker is multi-skilled. And every worker is challenged to be multi-skilled. The, the last thing I thought I would talk about is... Um, Toyota has two pillars for their success. I'm not sure where this came from. I don't know if this goes back to, oh, no, or not, these two pillars. But currently they have two pillars. And one pillar is called just-in-time, the Toyota production system, or what we might call lean. And the other pillar is called respect for people. That's my side. Yeah. So even though even though I've been involved with both yeah. sides for thirty years, I'm not an engineer. I'm not an engineer by by my background, but I like the respect for people side. But my question is, what do we mean by that?
0: Yeah. Well, but, and, but first, I mean, I think it, it's it's all lean. When they say you know the two pillars of the Toyota production system, I mean respect for people isn't separate from lean. It might be separate from what people call JIT.
1: Okay. okay it depends which chart you're looking at that's right one one could be called the toad way which has two pillars and one is the total production system and then i've seen what you just said yeah. another graphic using uh, the total production system with two pillars underneath it but respect yeah. for people is a big question of mine is what do we do to give people respect if this is two pillars these this is what balances the lean effort It balanced the the, the structure. One is elimination of waste and and the implementation of all of these tools that we're all familiar with. Um, But the other side is respect. And what gives people respect? Not giving them the repetitive work, not putting them in a factory that smells and stinks and it's a drudgery in their life, you know, but finding a way to make it a creative process for people. That's respect. Challenging people to grow and build their skills, that is respect, right? Yeah. Giving them judoka the ability to stop the line, that's real power and respect. Right. I saw another brilliant thing that I liked at Hino Motors, which is the Toyota bus company, the, 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 the 50% partners with making trucks and buses. And when I walked through the plant, I saw a large board And it was a mistake board. And every time a worker makes a mistake, they run over to that board, and there's a sheet of paper with their picture on it, and they write down their mistake to share it with everybody in the Mm plan. That's brilliant. That's great respect. So many companies in America say don't make mistakes. Right. And that's criminal because everybody he makes mistakes. Right. So if you don't want people to make mistakes, they're just gonna hide it because they're afraid that you're gonna fire them for their mistakes. Yeah. That's the chain. Yeah.
0: It's
1: so the only last thing that I'll mention about my relationship with Ono, great privilege to know him for many years. I was not that sociable with Ono. We did go out to lunch every time I visited him, which maybe was a dozen times. Mm-hmm. But I was never sociable with him, never invited, never invited to his house, as I was with Dr. Shingo. Shingo was very personable, and I've been to Shingo's house many, many times. In fact, I visited Shingo's house just last year to visit Mrs. Shingo, who was 96 a month ago. Hmm. Wow. there. And the last thing I'll mention is that my last visit to Ono, a Mr. Iwata came over to me. And he was Ono's assistant at Toyota Gosei. And he said, Norman, I wanna, I'm going to leave Toyota. I want to come to America. I want to start my own practice. Would you help me? And I said, of course. And then he got a, a partner of his. His name was Nikau. And I knew Nikau, too, because he worked with Taiho Kogyo. And I would visit Taiho tai Kogyo often, too. And the two of them came to America. And we brought the Kaizen Blitz here which has swept the whole society. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know where the Kaizen Blitz came from. See, what Ono did is he picked 10 people, one person from each of the top suppliers to be responsible for training all the suppliers on Just In Time. The one that led that was Cesar Moore. He was an assistant to Ono. He led that group. Mm-hmm. But other than the Cow was part of that group. And somehow that group got together and created this very powerful training, which we call the Kaisen Blitz. Back then, I called it five days and one night. Mm-hmm. Because the way they trained, you worked five days and only slept one night. <laughs> <laughs> so thank yeah. you for asking me. Sure. Let,
0: let, let me ask one other thing, because um, maybe it's just to tie up some of the discussion. I mean, you, you talk about you know, the respect for people, the way... We need to be developing people. And and think back to you know the stories you told the Mr. Ono about going in. I mean, in, in some ways this sounds like very classic Western management behavior, to just go in and demand. You need to do this with less people. You need to do this without a warehouse. You need to do smaller batches. But the results aren't always positive. Um, you know, so Mr. Ono, you know, there 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 was something different there than just going in and setting what we might call a stretch goal in the West. I mean, there, there was, you know, much more to it than that, right?
1: Well, by Ono demanding you to do it, Shingo did the same thing. He would always say, do it. By them demanding you to do it and not telling you how, you grew enormously at Toyota. Mm-hmm. I've met so many dozens of managers and ex-Toyota managers, and they all know the system so well. So many of them are teaching now in the world because Ono demanded them to really learn. They knew just in time because they they implemented, implemented it all. Ono was very rough. Shingo had a really rough time with him. Shingo was his teacher. Mm-hmm. Back in the early 60s, 1960s, Mr. Ono called Dr. Shingo and said, I want you to come and teach me. So ono, Shingo always felt that he was the one that created just mm-hmm. in time, because he was Ono's teacher. We've always had a debate on that. Yeah. Ono was a very difficult man. Most of the suppliers called it kamikaze management. You know, kamikaze, mm-hmm. he was the pilots that blew right. themselves up, you know. and He was a very rough man and very demanding. But from those challenges and demands, Toyota became a very incredible company. Right. I just want to end in one thing briefly tell you what I'm doing, which is part of this respect for people side, which is building people is I found a new technique, which to me is very explosive. and it's called the Harada method. And in Japan, back at the same group where I started with the Japan Management Association, they called this the world's best technique in day-to-day management. Mm-hmm. And it's a privilege for me to be working on it and teaching it now. And I recommend everybody out there learn this erotic method. It's, 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 it's dynamite. And hopefully, we'll be able to talk more about that. We'll
0: do. We'll talk about that more in a future podcast, too.
1: Oh, I'd love to. I, I keep learning every day on it. And thrilling. And Mark, I'm pleased with what you've done. I'm going to look forward to your new book coming out. I can see your First book back there, lean hospital <laughs> behind you. Yeah. And uh, well,
0: this is the cover of the new one. And thank you again for writing uh, introductory material. My pleasure. For that book, we're honored that you did that for me. In yeah, jail. thank
1: you. Well, I I feel that I'm your teacher. You know, I taught you and your co-author Joe Schwartz the the quick and easy Kaizen system, and you brilliantly, well, the two of you have brilliantly applied it in the medical field. And uh, Mark, thank you so much, and I look forward to our next our next uh, blog together. Okay. Thanks, Norman. Take care. everybody. Bye.
0: Bye. Thanks for listening. This has been the lean blog podcast for lean news and commentary updated daily. Visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email Mark at lean at gmail.com.